spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. You know, it helps us prepared and have my headsets, you know, <laughs> ready to go so that when we hit the air that we are all prepared. But that just wouldn't be the Kinner way now, would it? Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome in. I'm Justin Kinner. He's Kev Nash. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. we got a jam-packed show coming your way. We're actually going to be kind of truncating some things a little bit. We're going to be with you to five. And then we're going to hand it off to Sully from Talking Out Loud at 5 o'clock, okay? And then he's going to be with you uh, until 6, bringing you Talking Out Loud an entire hour dedicated towards Dayton Flyers basketball talk. And then at 7 o'clock, or 6.15, I should say, he'll hand it off to Ohio State. I know, weird. UD show right into Ohio (laughs) State, but UD show right into Ohio State basketball tonight. Chris Holtman and company, they have a big one, a top 10 matchup, number 7, Ohio State, number 6, Iowa. Uh, and you can catch that here on 1410 ESPN Radio tonight. Again, 615 is when we will hand it off to Paul Keels and the gang uh, to bring you Ohio State basketball. So that's going to be a big one coming up later. But we got a jam-packed show coming your way. We're going to have more uh, Super Bowl preview talk with ESPN Radio's Freddie Coleman. He'll be joining us uh, coming up here around the corner. He's going to be joining us at 4 o'clock. Uh, we'll be hanging out with Freddie Coleman uh, from Coleman and Fitzsimmons, or Freddie and Fitzsimmons. We had Ian Fitzsimmons on the show earlier in the week, so looking forward to having the other half of the show and Freddie Coleman on. But I wanted to get into this to open things up, Kev, because a lot of reaction. Brett Favre, again, you know, right now, this is always an interesting time, the build of the Super Bowl, because you have athletes, for, you know, current and former uh from all over doing media tours. And a lot of these athletes will pair up with different brands around the country, and, and this is how sports boobs like us, with our shows, uh, if you go to you know Super Bowl Media Row, they'll just literally send some of the biggest stars. I mean, it's yeah. pretty dang cool. I mean, it, it, Brett Favre, if this was a regular year, he'd be making his way up and down you know Radio Row, which is why as soon as they ever bring the damn Super Bowl back to anywhere close to us, that would be fantastic because we will be there. I promise you that much. But um, so th- they come on these shows and you know they they pretend like oh we're coming on to talk to you, but really it's because they've been paid uh, a lot of money to be a spokesperson for a certain. It could be deodorant. I uh, saw so, was it Travis Kelsey. Uh, is making media rounds right now on Radio Row doing a virtual media row uh, for Old Spice deodorant. And so he'll go on these shows and he'll talk with you for a bit. And then at the very end, uh, after you think that he was there to give you this great one-on-one interview to talk about this, he's really there so that he could plug this awesome you know, Old Spice deodorant, right? right? Which is great. It works out good for both sides. These businesses get their business plugged. They get their little endorsements in. The, the athletes are making their money. The endorsers are making their money. And the radio shows get their guests. That's how this works. But Brett Favre was making one of his. I don't even know what he was promoting, to be honest. Wrangler, if I do this. Wrangler <laughs> jeans. Or that copper fit stuff. Yeah. I, Jerry Rice. I, yeah, I always laugh, you know, at that. T- <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about the, the copper fit one. Brett Favre's on a lot of stuff, just like Shaquille O'Neal. But yeah. the bottom line is, is Brett Favre made a media round. And when you hear what he had to say about Deshaun Watson, I, I don't want to, not defending him. I, I don't think it was taken out of context. I do think he kind of went back on it a little bit because uh, right now a certain excerpt of what he is saying is being 
made it, you know, making its rounds around sports media. And I don't think that the full, if you watch the clip versus reading it, you get a different vibe of it. But again, that's how this works. But for those of you watching live on Facebook, because we are live on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, you could find us there. Brett Favre had this to say regarding Deshaun Watson. Kev, he says, you get paid a ton of money to do a certain job and just do it and let the chips fall where they may. Now, it's ironic coming from a guy like Brett Favre, who literally held his team hostage uh, for the last three years of his career, at least in Green Bay, before making his final media or before making his final career rounds with the Jets and the Vikings, right? So he says, you get paid a lot of money to do what you uh, to do a certain job and just do it and let the chips fall where they may i think we make too much money to voice an opinion uh but i'm not saying he's wrong again i think it's a different day and time and it'll be interesting to see how the organization handles it here's the thing what brett Favre is saying is not necessarily like he's i don't think he's being a hypocrite as much as people think and here's why i think he's wrong i just don't think he's being a hypocrite as much as people think um Brett Favre, when he wanted money, he was willing to hold out. Like, there's a lot of players. Like, here's the thing with Deshaun Watson. It's the forcing his way out of Houston that is the problem that is not sitting well with a lot of former players, okay? It's not that he's going to hold out. If he held out, I don't think anyone would say a peep about what Deshaun Watson is doing. The problem, I think, that a lot of media members and fans and former players are having is that he signs this big contract, he doesn't like the way things are going, and now he says, I refuse to play for you moving forward, you must trade me. And that's where I think Brett Favre is coming from. Not the, like I don't think it's all the noise of holding out. I, the players always support the players when it comes to holding out. You rarely, unless it's Baker Mayfield going at Duke Johnson or whatever, uh, you rarely hear players complain about other players holding out. I think what this is about is, and it's funny because there were some other interviews throughout ESPN this morning talking about, look, it's not so much about sitting or him demand. It's not so much about him sitting out and demanding change. It's about wanting out, and that seems to be what is rubbing people the wrong way. And I think it's because it is about to embark on the second that this happens, the second that Deshaun Watson successfully forces his way out of Houston. It'll be a snowball effect around the league. Maybe not so much right away, but I think that you will see Aaron Rodgers. If the, if the Packers don't win a Super Bowl next year, I guarantee you Aaron Rodgers will then pull what Deshaun Watson is pulling. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not a fan of it either. I don't like it in any sport. I know that you're probably like I know you bring up the NBA a lot, and although there's a part of me that's entertained by it, like the the soap opera drama in the off season and mm-hmm. stuff, you know the James Harden thing. I was keeping my eye glued to Twitter, <laughs> waiting for that breaking news to come out. But I don't like it so much to where. <sighs> I just don't like when players constantly have to force their way out of every situation, especially in Deshaun's case, who just signed a contract not even a year ago, and we've spent a lot of time talking about this. My big thing is, is again, I don't think it's the holding out that's the problem. I'm going to hold out to you, hire the coach I want. I don't know, man. I just, I'm not a fan of them forcing their way out of these situations either, and it's not just you know Deshaun or the NFL. It's all sports that I'm like mm-hmm. dealing with. Um, the thing about what's going on with Deshaun Watson in Houston is we can look at the disorganization of the whole team. He's been there for four seasons. They've had three general managers. Yes, he signed a contract. Anybody that puts a contract of that amount in front of your face at that age, or any age for that matter, you're going to sign it. I don't care what anybody says. And shouts out to his agent for getting him a no-trade clause, which gives Deshaun Watson leverage. To Brett Favre. Brett Favre, I really... Hee haw, hee haw. I heard that I, this morning. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not surprised about what he said. And to be perfectly honest, you know, it's his opinion, and he has every right to have that opinion. I disagree with it, but it's. I don't think what Brett Favre says is way off base more than what uh, former coach Dick Vermeil said 
today. I think what Dick Vermeil said was, was, I knew I was, was just off, just way off base. To the money thing about what Brett Favre said, we get paid a lot of money to do a job, just do it. But you get guess what? The wins and losses go on the QB's record. It doesn't go on the offensive tackles record. It doesn't say, hey, man, you know, Joe Thomas was uh, 5 and 50 versus the Steelers or whatever his record was. They, th- that doesn't happen. They go directly to the QB. So, if in Deshaun Watson's case, if he feels like the organization isn't doing everything in their power to help them win games, he's going to be the reason or the the person blamed for them not winning no matter what no matter no matter what no matter how many stats he puts up or anything cuz look at me look at me i i i directly blame matthew stafford but you bring up all his great stats right mm-hmm. so i so he gets the blame so if he's going into a situation where all right if we're going to be playing this game and y'all not giving me the necessary weapons that i need to succeed then i want out because I'm the one that's going to be taking the blame. Not only I'm the one taking the blame and taking these losses, but I'm also the one actually on the field getting hit. And people forget a contract is a two-way street. It's an agreement between two parties. It's not just one-sided. It isn't say, "All right, I gave you this money, now do what I say." No, this this is an agreement that I'm going to play my very best for you, and you're going to put me in the best position to help the organization win so we can collectively win together. If Deshaun Watson believes that the Houston Texans aren't doing that, I don't think anybody can say that they are trying to do their very best to win football games. They gave away draft capital. I know we could talk about the money that they gave him, but they were already in the hole, and they were already out of draft picks before they even gave him the money. So this isn't a new thing that's going on with the Houston Texans. This is a continuation of bad management and bad ownership. And the man just fed up. I have no problem with that. Yeah, I have a, but I do because it's not – and this isn't a white or black thing. I know that's what the, – the comments from Dick Vermeil this morning were uh, – I could see the – not the vent. I'm trying to – I could see where – they're getting, could, getting close. How do I word that? Uh, Brett, you know I, mean? I don't think I Brett, Favre, Brett Favre was not. Brett, Favre's Brett Favre's not. was just, hey, man, just play. And to be perfectly honest about Brett Favre, he's been like that with everybody. You know what I'm saying? White, black, or indifferent. So his is just like, hey, man, you're playing a football game. He said this about Aaron Rodgers, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah you're playing a football game, and they paying you a lot of money. Man, go play ball. But in Brett Favre's day, and we're talking about Brett Favre, a person who – leads the National Football League in most interceptions thrown, he's a, hey, man, we just out here having fun. Like, this is a, a kid's game. And that's Brett Favre's mindset. So just go play. Yeah, it'll work itself out, man. You get paid a, a ransom to play a kid's game. That's his mindset. But where Dick Vermeil was treading towards, I can't get down with any of that. But if, let, let, me, let me ask you this. And real talk here. Again, I know people like to avoid these conversations, but I want to have one because – if this was about the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, because I think Aaron Rodgers is the next quarterback that is going to literally get me the hell out of here. I'm not playing another down for you. Um, if this, if if Dick Vermeil would have said those exact same things about Aaron Rodgers, would it be have take, would it have been taken the same way? No, but I think he would say the same thing about Aaron Rodgers. And would so the well, energy would be different? Same thing. He didn't bring up Matthew Stafford, and Matthew Stafford Matthew worked Staff- his way out. But Matthew Stafford, they came to a mutual agreement. It wasn't as if like he was like holding out. I mean, that was I think both were will- willing to part ways mutually. I think it's something to be said about and it. That interview this morning it caught everyone off guard because it had a good energy to the interview, and out of nowhere, <laughs> he goes, he goes, "How do you feel about Deshaun?" He goes, "Oh, I'm disappointed in him." And then, like you could tell, like everyone just got like hushed, like wait, what? Like, like, where's, I, like he's I, actually going here. Cool. Like he's giving a good, <laughs> like it's a, it's a, not a good, like a soundbite. It's good. It's dominated sports shows all day today. 
I, but when you hear what he said, what is it that he said that is wrong? Like, help me understand that because I, I don't care if this makes me sound, but I'm going to be honest here. I didn't catch any of the, the, one of those called the tones, the underlying tones Coded until language, after. I listened to it. I was like, you know, he's a good, that's a good point. If you want to own a team and make those, if you want to make those decisions, buy a team and own a team. I didn't think anything of it till after. Then I started hearing the, like, first take and other shows that were bringing up the undertones. That's what mm-hmm. the tone I was looking for. That's when I was like, okay, I could see now where they're coming from. But at that time, I didn't think anything of it. And if we, he was saying the same thing about Aaron Rodgers, I don't think that it's dominating sports talk for the rest of the day the way it well, is. Well, when I heard it, the first thing I thought about was you bring up Deshaun Watson, but why weren't you bringing up Matthew Stafford? And you said that, you know, they came to a mutual agreement. But Deshaun Watson isn't the first player to demand a trade off their team in the NFL. And when Coach Vermeil comes out and says these things, like he's disappointed. Well, everything that, you know, we know about Deshaun Watson is he's a good good guy mm-hmm. like the things that he's done in his hometown of Gainesville Georgia things that he's done in the city of Houston along with JJ Watt all these good things and let's be clear Deshaun Watson Deshaun Watson has said nothing he is doing what you're supposed to do being a 12 year old girl on Instagram and <laughs> in social media and being subtle Changing your yeah. you're changing your information on Twitter, yeah, taking about that. That's said, passive he, aggressive. He, he he has let the people that he pays, uh-huh. his agent, do their job. He pays them to do a job. But can't you argue They're the doing, agent did their job a year ago when he accepted yeah, to make a contract? And like, like, changed, I, like they were trading away Hopkins then. It's not like he signed the deal and then they traded Hopkins. Hopkins was gone before. Well, hell, he signed it before the season started as everything already was a mess heading into this past season. It's not as if he signed this deal and he had Hopkins and they had a good thing going. I mean, he signed it well after, I mean, you knew Bill O'Brien had one year, if that, left in him. Uh, so that's where I'm, I mean, again, I just like, we're talking for both mm-hmm. sides here. We're not going to, I'm not <laughs> arguing, but like, it's, it's interesting. Look, I could not looking at it from both sides, but I kind of am. I'm seeing where people are coming from with different arguments, you know, trying to set this tone for what's being discussed. And what people have to realize is this is not 1975 where a player is drafted to a team and he stays there for the entire entirety of his career or he plays there until he's not good enough anymore and they cut him and that's it, you know. When LeBron started this, and let's be clear, LeBron James did start this player empowerment, and especially in the NBA, people looked at it with an ire. And now it's like the NBA dominates the summertime with player movement. And if Deshaun Watson is the guy that brings that to the NFL, I'm all for it because you should not have to deal with being under the team's thumb by saying, like, oh, man, they held this. Like, when you signed a contract, you have to do this. But at the drop of a dime, they can cut you. You have to take your career into your own hands. If you feel like they're not doing their part, then you hold their feet to the fire. And the the one time that an NFL player has leverage, people are losing their minds. Like, no, it's not supposed to go like that. It's not supposed to go like, well, there was a time where there was no such thing as a free agency, where you just you got drafted to the team and that's it. Like, I mean, people may not remember this, but Lou Alcindor, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he played for the Bucks. He didn't always play for the Lakers, you know. So these things go back a ways, and pushing the sport forward and pushing the envelope to get what you want because this is your life. It's his life. He's the one out there playing the foot the sport. So if he feels like he's not put in a proper position to succeed and help the team succeed, then you push the envelope. When you finally have leverage, the player finally has a leverage in this situation and he's using it, he's deemed the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But even when you have cases like 
a Le'Veon Bell who's speaking out against an organization like the Pittsburgh Steelers, he's wrong. When uh, Antonio Brown is throwing his quarterback under the best, he's wrong. So then you have a Dalvin Cook saying, man, I really would like a contract extension. They don't give it to him. He goes plays, still hasn't got his contract extension. So you can act out and not get it. You can, quote-unquote, do what they ask you to do like Dalvin Cook did and show up and still not get a contract extension. Or you can say nothing mm-hmm. like Deshaun Watson is doing and still not get, get get what you want. So, to me, it seems like it's always going to be like the players being put in the bad light because he's not doing what he's supposed to do or doing what he's asked to do. All three guys are doing something totally different, and they're still getting the same reaction. People are looking, well, you're just playing the kids' game. You're just doing this. Well, you sign the contract, play under the contract. I can't win for losing. See, but I think there's a lot of moving parts to that. For one, we get mad at the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, they won't pay Dak Prescott. Well, then we say, well, I wonder why. He's a black quarterback. Jerry Jones, he won't pay a black quarterback. But then you have an organization that does pay the black quarterback and gives him all guaranteed money and no trade clause and gives him all the chips in the middle and then negotiate still not negotiated not given negotiated but still i mean it's their team though like just like our business like if we don't like how our business runs things or does things i, I mean i but guess it's not it's not it's not, it's not like, being, it's not being given like uh, i give you this pen he's working for that he's earned that but Dax are negotiating, and Dax is a negotiation where they can't come to an agreement. But, but we can't rip a team for not giving a black quarterback money like the Cowboys, and then when a team does give, forget the white-black thing, Just we can't rip a team for not giving a quarterback money like the Cowboys, and then when the organization that does give a quarterback money, we just say, well, they're supposed to. We're not going to give them any credit for that. Like, where do you come with that? Again, I think conversation not... I think, the, not- <laughs> I think, I think the Dak thing is totally different. I think that... Jerry Jones and the people that run the Cowboys just ain't sold on that. Like you're not sold on that. Like, but those I, weren't the like not here between you and I. But those weren't the rumblings right in this past off season. Right. There was a lot of racial discussion about. Well, why doesn't Jerry Jones want to pay Dak Prescott? I mean, you would come in. I'd say, look, for me, it's just strictly about. I look at his resume, his win loss record against 500 or above teams, and he beats up on all the bad teams. Whatever. That's not, but I'm just saying, like though. I guess that's where I'm coming from with this. Mm-hmm. Is in the offseason, going back to the Cowboys getting ripped for that very same thing, and then Houston does it. But Houston's a whole other bag of worms because yeah, they're a whole they're another, a mess behind the scenes. Yeah, they're they're a mess behind the scenes. I just think the thing with Dak, I don't think it's just you and I that differ on Dak. I think Dak is real good. You think Dak is I? I think the Dallas Cowboys think he's I. But I don't think anybody thinks that Deshaun Watson is I. I think everybody agrees that man, he's real good and he could be real great. So I think they believe. That he was going to be real great. That's why they forked over the money. I believe if Deshaun Watson was playing quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, he would have an extension. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I don't necessarily. I'm not going to try to play Jerry Jones like he's not in it for winning because he's shown time after time he pays players and he gives guys a fair contract that he deems fair. I just don't think the Dallas Cowboys believe that that's Dak Prescott is the guy like the, like I do. I think Dak is pretty dang on good, but they don't. That's a different story. But as far as the Houston Texans are concerned, they're a mess. And there ain't no problem. Like, you know, the average person listening right now, they can go quit their job right now. Well, in a, in a, in pre-COVID, Good for you guys. <laughs> pre-COVID, they could theoretically quit their job and go work somewhere else if they weren't happy. Yep. And nobody would say anything about it. But it's the simple fact that these athletes – not only 
they play a kid's game for King's Ransom. But, you know, what happens when somebody signs a contract? Our phones go off. Oh, man, so-and-so just signed a five-year deal for $60 million. Man, their, their stuff is publicized left and right. You know what I'm saying? We've been working together for X amount of years. I don't know how much you make. You don't know how much to make. You know I like making people laugh, but I ain't going to make you laugh that hard. <laughs> I, I enjoy a good joke here and there, but me telling you what I make, I'll let you fill but in like, the But that's like... But like six that, figures. That's what I heard. What? <laughs> but, like, that's a thing. Like, that, that's a, definitely a thing. Like, you know, like the whole thing about a contract. You think that Jeff Bezos, the guy that just stepped down from Amazon, you think he abided by every single contract that he signed? He pushed the envelope. To make himself millions and billions of dollars and his company millions and billions of dollars. Contracts, to, they're on a piece of paper. He, but he, here's the difference when, I, by the way, I agree with that analogy completely, but the difference between that type of business and this is the money that goes into the pockets of the players come from us, the fans. And in any line of work that there's, I mean, customer service exists in every line of work, it exists, it exists in radio, television. Fast food, restaurants, anything out there. I mean, there's literally whole departments that are dedicated to taking calls to deal mm -hmm. with customer service, you know, customer relations. Well, we as as fans are the are the customers, and that whole adage of the customer is always right. Well, the bottom line is is that I don't like when we tell fans, well, they're not allowed to get mad at players when they do this. Yes, they are, because that's that. I mean, oh, that's their god-given you know, right. For when, sure. To your point, hey, yes, the player earned that. Well, they earned it because the money is there, and the money is there because the fans tune into your product and pay for your product, and they tune into on TV or go buy your jerseys and and so on and so on. So I, I see it from that perspective as well as well. The fans, or the customers, always right, except in sports when. And, you know, the only reason you have a chance to make that much money is because we're stupid enough to pay the obscene amount of ticket price mm -hmm. money that there is out there, and right? And watch your product on it, TV. So, but no, with this, it's different. I, you know, like I said, and I am like this. I didn't like it in baseball, whether it's a white player, black player. I didn't like when Bryce Harper did it for the Nationals. I don't like when it happens in baseball. I hate it. Uh, I hate it when it happens in basketball to a certain extent. Uh, although, like I said, I'm a hypocrite because I enjoy the – I talk all the time how the NBA is the most entertaining of them all because of the offseason, right? Uh, so I'm a hypocrite. I'll have no problem admitting <laughs> I enjoy that part, but I also hate the part. I hated watching James Harden throw a tantrum with Houston coming in out of shape and trying to force his way out. <laughs> By the way, the funniest meme I've seen is reports are Deshaun Watson going to force his way out of Houston and they put his head on – remember big old yeah. James Harden? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I hated that. Like, now the Nets are beyond fun to watch. So I hate this right now. But once Deshaun's balling it out with the Raiders or wherever he ends up, we'll forget about this and move on. But for right now, there's going to be a lot of these uncomfortable conversations between now and then, unfortunately, for people who don't who do who like the player movement or don't like it it'll all be forgotten but this isn't this is just going to be a snowball effect that once he forces his way out mm -hmm. green bay i think is next as far as aaron Rodgers. if the packers aren't in the super bowl next year he i think he will be the next quarterback to force his way out the other thing too it'd be easier for him because he's a i think after next year he'll only have one year left on his contract and you know that's like also one of those things that you know i, I fell down the, the twitter rabbit hole which i try not to do but you know <laughs> The whole thing about Matthew Stafford, people was like, well, he spent a, a lot of years with his team before he pulled it. Like, so you got to spend X amount of time with your team before you can decide that you want up and out of there. I, like, I don't see any comparison at all between them, Kev. Like, there's, there's, he didn't go in there and say, trade me or I'm not going to play. Now, I'm not saying it couldn't have gone to that point. Right. Like, it didn't get to the point to where we could say that. So I can't definitively say that they're not the same. So I'll take that back a little. But at the same time, I don't compare these two at all because. 
He went. I mean, we didn't even know that Matt Stafford was going to the front office to request a trade. He's a high profile. He plays for a horrible team, and he's been in the league X amount of years. Like Deshaun is the new toy. We always love the new toy more than we love the old toy. Like but we've he's talked old. Sh- we talked more. Of Matthew he's Stafford. old news. He's old news. Maybe because we love Pam so much. <laughs> and Oof. another th- another thing about you know ownership teams that own team I mean owners that own teams and everything like that. You know, people let them off the hook so many times. And I have to remind people that, you know, First Energy Stadium up in Cleveland, Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati, you know who pay for those? Taxpayers pay for those. The the taxpayers of those cities pay for those. So you you, you raise my taxes. Yeah. I go to your stadium. I pay $5 for water. I pay $10 for beer. I pay $15 for nachos. I pay another $20 to park. And you give me a bad product on the field. Like, so, like, when people bash players, think about that the next time you're re up your season tickets. Think about the product that you're getting when you re-up your season tickets. Or even if you, you're doing a one-off. Say you, you, and the, you, you and the family want to go down there for a game. Think about that before, before you start bashing a player. Think about how much the owner is getting over. He, the owner literally got a stadium built because you did. Because you paid for it. Like Staples Arena in L.A., the taxpayers pay for that. They give them a great return on their investment, mm-hmm. though, by winning championships and competing. They're not competing like that down in Cincinnati. This is the first time in 20 years the Browns have competed in, in Cleveland. So I don't get how people can just always constantly overlook the ownership when they get all these tax breaks and they build their stadiums and they give them a crap product. But then as soon as a player says, hey, man, I want to raise or I want out of here because y'all not doing what is necessary for me to succeed, people turn their back on them. But you've been forking over money out of your paycheck for years to help build this stadium, and you've been going to games, overpaying for beers and hot dogs, but you don't say nothing to the ownership. That's very weird to me. Yeah, but people don't work that hard to find all the way up. We talk about Mike Brown all the time. We rip Mike Brown all the time, because, but people think it's worth it. Hey, if Mike Brown puts an offensive line on the field, it's worth the taxes that we have to pay for that stadium. But, again, that's a different if. conversation if. if they get the offensive line. If. And if they get that damn stadium here in a couple of years. That, 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 what, that lease is up or whatever it is that they're fined Ouch. for? Ouch. Ouch. So, all right. It's the Johnson Kinner Show with Kev Nash here on 1410 ESPN Radio. we still got a lot more to get into. We're going to be joined by Freddie Coleman coming up here half hour from now, top of the hour. Uh, we'll chat with him, uh, but we'll step away for a few moments. On the other side, we're going to switch gears a little bit. And again, we're going to stay here in the, the NFL world. We're going to get into our NFL prediction, our Super Bowl predictions coming up around the corner as well. But uh, to the Facebook feed we go. David Shaw says, uh, who is Brett to speak about how someone deals with their business? Watson is a millionaire business owner himself. What other millionaire business owner gets questioned about wanting the best for his business? Uh, I can think of one. Well, no, and you're right. These guys are businessmen themselves. I mean, they're going into business for themselves. Right. Um, but if you're going to be a businessman, I'm going to tell you when you've made a bad business decision. And a bad business decision was signing with Houston, that big extension anyways. Because like I said, it's not as if they were just in the NFC title game. And it's not as if they had you know, just you know, got knocked out by the Chiefs. And he still had Hopkins. And he still had the great defense and all that. He signed it as things were crumb. I mean, that's like saying 
you have a chance to get off the sinking Titanic at this port over here. And you say, no, I'll take my chances and keep going. And then you get out to sea, and now you're pissed off because there's not enough lifeboats, and you can't get back to shore. That's that. That's why I have a hard time you know, being sympathetic with Deshaun Watson at this point. But at the same time, like I said, once he signs with a new team, it's all going to be forgotten about anyways. Doug Sphere on Facebook says, listening to you guys deep in the heart of Dixie. It's 60 degrees, and I'm wearing my new Alabama National Championship shirt. Suck it, Ohio. That's nice. Well, the weather does suck here in Ohio. I was to give you that one. <laughs> Robert Miller says, the NFL is not the NBA. You can't just decide when your contract isn't what you want. You can uh, it was, you can go wherever you want and then handpick the teammates if he wants to make him sit on the end of the bench. Look, I don't think that's going to happen, <laughs> but Houston could play hard. I mean, yeah, I know the, he has leverage, but technically he does. Everyone's like, oh, all that money's guaranteed. Well, that guaranteed money, the team's going to be taking yeah. away huge chunks of it. Every practice you miss every day. So I could see the Texans playing hardball at the same time. Like, they're pissed, too. They're not going to come oh, out yeah. looking stupid in this. And keep in mind, they're not winning this coming up year with or without Deshaun. It's not as if, oh, man, they got to really find a way to get this done because this roster's so good. They're losing one way or another. I could see them... Really, just putting Deshaun in an uncomfortable situation. Deshaun in an uncomfortable situation, heading into camp, heading into preseason, heading into the season, continuing to take his money, fine after fine after fine, putting him in an uncomfortable situation because they technically could wait till the trade deadline next year. They could technically wait till next off season because I guarantee you, the same first round picks that they're going to get for Deshaun this year, they'll get those same first round picks next year. I have, I really am curious to see what Houston does because, like I said. Everyone's saying, oh, Deshaun has all the leverage. The team has all the leverage because the team's going to play one way or another this year. Will Deshaun. Because yeah. they could literally just say, screw you, buddy. Are you going to get out there and practice or not? Okay, now, okay, I'm going to take your money. I'm going to take your money. Oh, you're not going to play all year? All that guaranteed money? He What, 40, uh, $39 million a yeah, year? Yeah, I think it was like $41 million so, uh, up front, I believe. Up front, and then after that, it's averaged out to about like 30-something million. Yeah. So he's going to lose 30. Like, so is him wanting out going to be worth the $30 million that they're going to take from him this year. I don't think it is. I don't think Houston's that stupid, but then again, they've made some really stupid decisions <laughs> over the years. I'm not anti-Deshaun in this. I'm going to be a big fan of his wherever he ends up. I This is me just saying, I don't like this situation in all of sports because it's just a bad look for the sport, but I'm not saying that they're wrong, but I just don't like it. I, do, I just don't. The fan, besides, the reason I don't like it is because when I see this happening in that city, I could see it happening to my team. I could see, you know, if Baker did this to the Browns or if Nick Chubb did this to the Browns, I'd be furious. If Joe Burrow does this to the Bengals in a few years, I promise you we'll be just as upset and angry. So it's like I, when I see this happening with another team, I'm like, man, that takes me off. I don't want to see that happen with my team. I'm going to send you this article about when free agency first came around in the NBA and how vile things got towards the player. And, I mean, shoot, you don't even need to do that. You just need to remember back to when LeBron was a free agent and decided to leave Cleveland for Miami. Now, we've been back and forth about LeBron James a million and one times. I can be perfectly honest. I was mad. Not mad because he was leaving a team. I was just mad because he was leaving my team. Yeah. But other people who weren't Cleveland Cavaliers fans were mad because he was ditching his team and all that type of stuff. So I think if we eventually will get to a place where this becomes the norm. Like, I don't think that every player can do it. I mean, just the real good ones and the real good agents who work these things into contracts, you know. So. (laughs) 
Justin Kinner, Kev Nash, back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. So, this Sunday, I have one guarantee for you this Sunday. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. that yeah, that commercial I told you to post. I, I, no matter what, I promise you, for you commercial folks out there who are going to be keeping an eye on the entertaining commercials, <laughs> no commercial will top this one. We'll top this one. It's not playing. There's nothing playing. There's no audio. That's yeah. so damn disappointing. <laughs> that's really that's sad. That really just I just set that up. I was excited for it, and it just fell flat. I will try again. What? There are many ways to catch the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash on fourteen ten ESPN Radio weekdays from three to six p.m. You can catch it live right here on fourteen ten Wing AM, or you can stream the show at wingam.com. But now we have another way that you can take in the show. You can now watch the Justin Kinner Show with. So we all know what happened this past Red season. Uh, of course, Tom Brenneman no longer an announcer with the Cincinnati Reds. He was put on, uh, I guess, like a suspension, I guess, by Fox Sports Ohio originally. And it was announced in the offseason that the two sides would part ways. Um, and no word on what Tom Brenneman is up to. I know he's had a couple side broadcasting gigs here and there. But who would re- who is going to replace Tom Brenneman uh, with Fox Sports Ohio as the Cincinnati Reds announcer? John Sadak will join television broadcast team as play-by-play announcer. You're probably saying, who? Me too. Uh, but he's new new to Cincinnati. Sadak most recently served as a national TV play-by-play announcer for CBS Sports, a national radio play-by-play announcer for Westwood One, and as a radio play-by-play announcer for the New York Mets. So he's coming over from the Mets. His broadcast work includes the play-by-play of the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, college football, basketball, and baseball, along with almost 15 years in the minor leagues, which is perfect for him because the Reds look very similar to a minor league team at times, and I think that's going to come in handy. So, again, one more time, John Sadak is the replacement to Tom Brenneman taking over as the as the TV voice of the Cincinnati Reds. That wraps it up for the first hour. Coming up here in hour number two, we will be joined by ESPN Radio's Freddie Coleman. Freddie Coleman, part of Freddie and Fitzsimmons. We were joined by Fitzsimmons earlier in the week. Now Freddie Coleman will talk Super Bowl and NBA, and anything else on our minds. We'll <laughs> discuss with Freddie Coleman next. Don't go anywhere. Hey, everybody. It's Stephen A. Smith, and everyone knows my feelings on Cowboys fans. But really, Justin Kenner, you're a Cowboys fan? So the big game is coming up this Sunday, and we want to give a shout-out to our partners at Milano's, who just dropped off quite the uh, the arrangement, just put it that way. I mean, the double pepperoni pizza. Yes, sir. All right, you got the turkey sub with chip dip, by the way. I'm actually curious what the chip dip I mean, that's, you know, during this next commercial break, we're going to dive in. We're going to split all this stuff. <laughs> uh, the medium wings with celery and blue cheese. Yes, sir. Uh, they're no, again, Milano's not just known for their pizza. That You can have your subs. You can have the buffalo chicken dip, which is absolutely amazing. I'm telling you right now. Uh, and then, of course, your favorite drink specials, too. So whether you're dining in or dining out, the big game coming up this Sunday, make sure that Milano's is what you're filling yourself up with this coming up weekend for the big game. And again, if you're one of those that... It's not comfortable going out during these times. That's fine. Dine in. All right. But order ahead. Pick up your food. Come home. Watch the big game at home with your family around you. And enjoy a nice meal from Milano's. But I'm telling you, the double pepperoni pizza, the turkey sub, the wings. I'm telling you, you won't be disappointed. 
Coming up around the corner, we're going to be joined by, uh, again, Sully from Talking Out Loud. He's going to join us coming up here in just a few moments. In fact... Uh, due to Ohio State basketball tonight, we're moving everything up a bit. Ohio State basketball takes over at 6.15. Talking Out Loud, which usually airs at 6 o'clock on, on Thursday nights, is now going to air at 5 o'clock just for this week only. So at 5 o'clock, we'll be handing it off to Talking Out Loud with Sully. But he's also going to be joining us coming up here around the corner uh, as we talk about things Dayton Flyers basketball. So don't go anywhere. More of the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash. Sully joins us next from Talking Out Loud. We'll talk all things Dayton Flyers next. Listen, stream, watch. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash right here on Dayton's ESPN Radio, 1410 Wing AM. Don't miss the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash weekdays at 3 p.m. on Dayton's ESPN Radio, 1410 Wing AM. So you want to talk about our... Justin Kinner back with you here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM, 457-9464. That's the number you can call in and join in on the conversation. Joining us now from Talking Out Loud, we got Sully hanging out with us, talking all things Dayton Flyers. Sully, what's up, man? How are you? Oh, doing all right, guys. Uh, just trying to get through the week, you know, best we can. Uh, we, got, we, had a, we had a bad Flyers game on Tuesday. There's another bad game coming up on Friday, so... Just trying to, you know, keep my head above water and keep it all positive. Over That's here. not how this works. I mean, they, look, they, they, play, they played bad the other night. It's like they need that bad game to somehow motivate them to play a good game. I just wish it didn't take them playing horrible to get them to play a good game. I'm, I'm anticipating a blowout tomorrow night. Yeah, honestly, I mean, when you look at the, the Flyers games this past season, um, or like, you know, up to this point in the season, rather, uh, they tend to play really well off of a loss. So if you look at... Uh, after the LaSalle game, they played they played George Mason, and uh, and they they beat him pretty handily. They beat him by nine, which is like a handle you know handily uh, handily <laughs> taking care of business for this team, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, off the loss last time against George Mason, you got twenty six from Crutcher and uh, sixteen from Watson, and then uh, after the Fordham loss, they played Davidson. You got twenty nine from Crutcher, twenty four from Watson. Um, and then after VCU, obviously, they went to St. Louis. They got 27 from Crutcher and 18 from Watson. So you're right, man. I, I think that um, if you're looking at trends, and I'm, I'm a big trends guy. I like trends when I look at basketball games and analyzing such things. Uh, you know, everything points to Crutcher and Watson having a breakout game again against George Mason and probably winning this one handily tomorrow night. The optimist in you is telling you what about the rest of the season? The pessimist in you is telling you what about the rest of the season? Oh, I can I can already see you in the morning writing that question down in the notepad. You're like, this is a good one. I'm gonna get this. This is one of those like hot take I, questions, right? Like, oh, this yeah. will be good. He, <laughs> I know. I can see you with your notepad. To be fair, I don't down. plan interviews. I mean, that's probably why my interviews are bad. I don't know, but like that just came to me. <laughs> Greatness just comes to me, my friend. Um. So answer the damn I mean, question. All right. Yeah. So I mean, the the pest or the uh, the optimistic side <laughs> is pretty easy. It's that you know you go and you win the A10 tournament. Um, the pessimistic side of me is that they're they're going to win some, lose some down the stretch, and the rest of the season will kind of just come and go without anything substantial really happening. Um, and you know that that's kind of what what the schedule's pointing to right now. I mean, the, the truth is always going to be right there in the middle. Um, but I did say this on the show this week coming up here that um, this year is kind of like my uh, my junior year, which would have been 2011 where, like, the Flyers were good and out of contention by the time February started. 
So for context, at the end of January 2011, the Flyers were 15-7 and seven and they were 3-4 and four in conference and they had ironically just lost to Duquesne. Um, they went down the rest of the stretch and ended up 4-8 and eight down the stretch. Um, you know, just, or sorry, 4-5 and five down the stretch. And then they ended up on in the A-10 championship that Sunday against Richmond. Now, obviously, they ended up losing that game against Richmond. They didn't get to the tournament. But I said to um, my co-host Drew on the show that that's kind of what you have to look forward to as an optimist of this program. The, you know, the tournament at large bit is, is dead and buried, and, you know, we've, we've actually, you know, put flowers on top of the grave and all that, so it's, it's done now. We don't have to talk about it anymore. So that's kind of what it is, is, like, just enjoy the season the best you can down the stretch. And then let's let's try to make some waves in the A-10 tournament because I remember that year in 2011. I woke up that morning and I walked across campus to my friend's house and he said, "Hey, we woke up today and the Dayton Flyers could be in the tournament tonight." And that's you know that's it. Like you know that that's kind of why March is so great and why people love it so much, right? Because this season sucks. Um, it's going to suck. This month is going to suck. There's going to be more losses like Duquesne, more losses like VCU. Um, hopefully no more losses like Fordham. I don't know how you could, you know, duplicate that loss. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's what it is, man. I, I really hate that we're back here again because it's been, um, it's been what, three years since we've been in the beginning of February with the Flyers good and out of the tournament. But uh, Darkness, my old friend, he's back. Here he is. Now, you mentioned Flowers. Speaking of Flowers, First Flores, the official sponsor of ESPN 1410 Wing AM. If you want to win a free dozen roses and a vase, you can head to Facebook, search The Justin Kinner Show, like The Justin Kinner Show, and follow along. Everyone that likes The Justin Kinner Show on Facebook is automatically entered into a drawing to win a free dozen roses and a vase from First Florist and Greenhouses, the official florist of ESPN 1410 Wing AM. Winner will be drawn tomorrow. You'll be contacted tomorrow, and you can pick up your roses for your significant other for Valentine's Day a week from Sunday. Back to our conversation. We have so from Talking Out Loud, which is coming up here in 20 minutes, by the way. He's taken over the show at 5 o'clock. Again, moved up because Ohio State uh, and Iowa play a big one coming up later on tonight as well. Um, I, I wrote this on Facebook the other day in a conversation with some friends about this Flyer team right now. And look, they're, they have good players. They, they're streaky. But if they didn't have Jalen Crutcher, this would be one uncomfortable stretch of basketball right now to close things out. But I am curious when it comes to next season, when it comes to Jalen Crutcher, he has every reason to leave, or does he? The NBA is not a guarantee for him. The chances that we're seeing the last of Jalen Crutcher this season are what, in your opinion? Um, they're 100%. Just because the money outside of the NBA is so great now. Um, what, you, know, you, did, you did not paying him enough? Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, you know, that's the thing that people have to consider now is that, yeah, Jalen Crutcher is probably not going to get drafted. Um, he, he's just small. He, I mean, six foot one, he's like 180 pounds. Uh, he's not Trey Young, let's put it that way, you know. And um, I, I don't know. I just I don't see how that would happen. A team would have to take a flyer on him. But to, to my point, um, it's 100% he's not coming back because when you don't get drafted in the NBA, um, there's so many other avenues overseas to go make money. And there's a lot of guys, Dayton Flyers, that are over there right now. Scoochie Smith, Rob Lowry, Kevin Dillard, um, you know, all those guys, Chris Johnson. Um, you know, they've been playing over there. B. Sanford's been in France for, for a number of years now. Um, you know, there's good money over in Europe to go play basketball. And, and think about it this way, Ken. Let me ask you this since you asked this question. How could Jalen Crutcher possibly improve his stock by coming back next year? 
Well, when his stock, if the team's better next year, his stock automatically goes up. And every reason you said about the money, you know, that you could have said those same things a year ago, right? Yeah, but I mean, personally, I don't feel like he can do more. Like, he was already on the best team in the country, and he was a catalyst for them being the best team in the country. Now he's on a mediocre team, and he's scoring 25 points a game. It's like, I think that you, there's really nothing else left for him to accomplish at the collegiate level. I mean, you know, of course, we would have loved to see him play in a tournament game. He obviously should have in a normal year last year. And, and, you know, it's really sad that he's going to end his career not playing in an NCAA tournament game. But, again, I mean, there's just really nothing left to accomplish. He's, he's played four years. He's going to go down as one of the best point guards in program history. He's going to lead the program in assists by a pretty comfortable margin. He's going to be top five and three-pointers made. He'll be a top 15 scorer. It's like, you know, I, I, I'm looking at it from his point. It's like, do I come back and, and get uh, another degree, like my second degree, or do I go make money doing the thing I want to do anyways? And I just think that's a no-brainer, and I think the people that hold on to those hopes of, oh, he'll come back, or just people that, you know, really love the program and want to see him play more, but it's not necessarily rooted in realism, right? No, no, I mean, I, and, and look, and I get it. And look, I, if I had to put money down, I'm not betting that he is going to return next season. But I sort of look at it, the different, the, the pros and cons list of coming back versus going to the NBA. Nothing's guaranteed there, but it's not like the NBA is the only avenue of pro basketball and money that he can go and make. Uh, to your point, uh, real quick before we no. let you go, you, you got talking out loud coming up here in, in 15 minutes. You look at the A10 right now. St. Bonnie sitting at the top. You got VCU, Davidson, UMass, Richmond right there. Before you get to the Flyers, uh, when you. Look Look at the A-10. It's starting to self-cannibalize a little bit, too. I mean, it's unfortunate that you have a team uh, who UD just beat coming out that missed some time in St. Louis, and now all of a sudden they don't look as... I mean, that was one of the premier teams to look at coming into the season. They don't look good after missing a month of the season right now. The league's just starting to eat, beat up on itself a little bit. Yeah, and we're going to get into this on the show in like a lot more detail. Um, just about the A-10, they really should have gotten more flexible with their scheduling. Um because, you know, this game coming up on Friday night, it means nothing. And it's weird to me that the A-10 scheduled it. I know that they had to take advantage of having the ESPN2 slot on Friday night. Um, but there just hasn't been a better option. And, and to your point, um, a couple of people had asked me, I think Bonaventure is going to get in that large bit. I think so. So who's next in line behind them? And St. Louis has already lost two games out of the gate. Their month-long pause has ended up being a lot more detrimental than we thought it was going to be. So the question was, who can take a step up and get that at-large bid? I still think St. Louis can play their way in, even though they lost to LaSalle last night. Um, but the team that, that I looked at, um, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, is VCU. Because they have to play Davidson twice. They have to play Richmond again. They have to play St. Louis. And then they gotta uh, they got to go to UD Arena and beat the Flyers. So um, I think that that affords them enough opportunities to gain ground in their resume. And they're 13-4 and four and don't really have a bad loss yet. So VCU is kind of right there where they can play themselves right into the fold. And then after that, I mean, it's slim pickings. Like Richmond can hypothetically do it. Rhode Island's done. Davidson kind of can. They have one bad loss. Um, but, I mean, you, you kind of hear it in my voice, like the ice is thin underneath all those teams. So as I'm looking down the A-10 right now, um, I'm going to put my money on two teams getting bids to end the regular season and then one team stealing it, stealing the third in Brooklyn. I just, 
I don't see any other way it's going to shake out because, to your point, the top of the league is not beating the bottom of the league consistently. And unfortunately, what that manifests itself into um, is, is what you're talking about, that cannibalization and the A-10 really not doing itself any favors. So on the show today, we're going to talk about the fact that the A-10 really should get more flexible down the stretch here because you don't get anything by having Davidson play in St. Joe's or Davidson play in Fordham or whatever. You need to have your top teams playing your top teams so you can give yourself a chance to get into the tournament. What in the blue hell is going on with St. Joseph's, by the way? I mean, they're, oh, yeah, they're only, they're, I mean, like, I know we yeah. like to make fun of LaSalle and, and Fordham. Fordham, a one-win team, too. Let's not give them, you know, anything. Unfortunately, that one wins against one you. One win against Dayton. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just, that's not where I was going with that. But the point is, is like we're, we poke fun at those teams, and then I'm looking at the bottom, I'm like, holy hell, I didn't realize St. Joe's was that bad. Like, they're not just bad. Their only win is against the Albany Great Danes. What the hell is I mean, I know what a Great Dane is. It's a great dog. But what the hell? The Albany Great Danes is St. Joe's only win of the season. They are 1-14 in uh, 14 on the year. Like, they don't need to yeah. play the rest of the year. Call it a year. That's what I mean. It's like, what, like, I just don't understand, like, you know, and people are probably like, well, we're doing right by the student-athletes. It's like, give me a break. This was never about the student-athletes. When the Big Ten changed their rules in football, it wasn't because of the student-athletes. It was because of the money involved to get Ohio State to the playoff. And this is no different. It's like, I don't understand what the A-10 conference gets by limping Fordham and St. Joe's down the stretch here. Just fold those programs up tomorrow morning. No one will even notice. And then we can move on with, like, getting some decent games in against the conference here. Um, so you're right. I mean, I, I just – I really don't understand. Like, we've already figured out that this is a fluid situation with scheduling. So make it as fluid as possible, you know. Have St. Bonaventure play St. Louis twice in a weekend on Friday and Sunday. Have the same happen between Davidson and BCU. I don't care. I mean, you see what I'm getting at. If you pit your top teams against each other, they're going to have nothing but quality games and you might have another team emerge from the muck. And, I mean, that's the goal, right? All right, we got Sully from Talking Out Loud with us here on 1410 ESPN Radio. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Uh, Talking Out Loud coming up here in 12 minutes. Tomorrow night from 6 to 7 p.m., uh, it's the Talking Out Loud Dayton Flyers pregame show. You're going to have the Dayton Flyers going head-to-head with George Mason, uh, as we've talked about, but Sully's going to be live not te- not technically live at Timothy's Bar and Grill, but you're going to be hosting the show live at Timothy's Bar and Grill virtually, um, and they're going to have the the screen down. You're gonna your big old head's going to be popped up right on the screen hosting the show live. Uh, so that's going to be pretty cool. But tomorrow night, the the Talking Out Loud Dayton Flyers pregame show coming up tomorrow, plus the show coming up here in 12 minutes. What can fans and listeners expect uh, from the show coming up later tonight, and then of course tomorrow when you'll be doing the show technically live from Timothy's Bar and Grill. Yeah, like I said, we like tonight we, we covered kind of the, the A-10 conference and how we expect them to have more of a fluid approach to scheduling. Um, we kind of talked about where do we go from here. Uh, I even broke down a little bit of Duquesne's ineptitude when I was growing up in Pittsburgh because they had a lot of really bad years when I was in high school. Um, and kind of like how historic it is that we're losing the bottom feeder programs right now in the A-10 uh, like consistently. But um no, tomorrow I have uh, my guest, Petey Buckets. He's a, a George Mason guru, big numbers guy, big A-10 guy. I love watching A-10 hoops, and he kind of does what I do for George Mason over there um, on the podcast front. So you know as well as anybody that those are the shows I love doing the most. I love getting guys from around the conference in so that we can talk hoops because at the end of the day, we're the same guys. We just wear different color shirts, right? 
There you go. It's all you can ask for, man. All right. Hey, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. And I'm going to be working on some pessimistic, optimistic questions for next week's show. How about that? Oh, I, lo- I love it, man. I love it. I'll talk to you soon, man. Take care. All right. Thank you. That's Sully from Talking Out Loud. Good enough to hang out with us here uh, this afternoon on the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. We'll bring Kev Nash back on, too. You get everything done? you need done? No. No? <laughs> no. Well, why? I mean, it's the day's almost over. It's as if you, you're getting stuff handed to you late in the day you know they should have you thought about maybe asking to get stuff earlier in the day when you're not as busy i'm just curious i i don't know it's it's something to think about you never know who's listening you never know who's listening shouts out to keith Wright. what it's not him (laughs) it's not him dude (laughs) it's snowing I mean, and look at Kev changing the topic real quick. He's like, oh, crap, we got to get away from this. Kenner's always trying to bring people down with him. I mean, you know, that's what he does. And anyways, but no, it's the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash, and it is snowing. It was not supposed to snow like this heavy. And then this damn parking lot, we'll see if my, my car, which I call the death trap, if it can make it out of this parking lot. That's going to be key. Oh, great. Um, so news out of Major League Baseball involves your uh, your former pitcher with the Cleveland baseball team and former Reds pitcher, first Reds, Cincinnati Reds pitcher to win a Cy Young Award, uh, Jim Bowden. Uh, tweets out that the agent for Trevor Bauer, the annoying, I mean, the amazing Rachel Luba, says uh, she makes it clear that the reports are true. Get ready, Mets fans. Imagine a rotation of DeGrom, Carrasco, Stroman, Syndergaard with Bauer. Lights out. Uh, unless something unimaginable hap- uh, unless something unimaginable happens, New York, New York will be playing soon. Apparently, it's just coming down to the final details. Uh, some more Mets tweets coming in that the Mets continue to be engaged with Trevor Bauer, while the Dodgers are also still in the mix. Per sources, with camp set to open in two weeks, a resolution could come soon. Barring the entrance of a mystery team, these appear to be the two finalists, the Dodgers and the Mets. No surprise there. Right. I think the Mets... The Mets are not a surprise right now. The Mets were not a team that we were looking at when the season ended. Um, but look, I was holding out hope. I was trying to be the you know I was trying to be as optimistic as possible when it came to this Reds team, and I was like, well, maybe they didn't pull the trigger on on getting a shortstop because I think they were waiting to see what Trevor Bauer does. Because if Trevor Bauer all of a sudden decides, you know what, um, I you know these teams want to give me a three to four year deal, but they're not paying me what I want to be paid. I want Garrett Cole money. Maybe I'll just return to the Reds on a one year deal. Uh, I know I could pitch well there. I'm comfortable there. Uh, you know, Derek Johnson. They have a great pitching coach. The, the Reds have a good situation there. I felt that there was a chance that Trevor Bauer could have possibly given the Reds maybe a last effort of you know what fine if i'm not going to get the money i really want i'll do one year deal with the reds prove i could do it over 162 mm-hmm. game season and then i'll get the big money the garrett cole money next season but he's only getting older that's the yeah. way garrett cole got his money because he's young yeah and i felt like garrett cole was in the league forever me too like i remember garrett cole with the pirates as a back of the rotation guy <laughs> I, I mean i remember the pirates would come into town and you know it, he would be the third fourth fifth pitcher in the rotation which there's nothing wrong with being the third or fourth, but you know what i mean like yeah. he wasn't the Guy in Pittsburgh, guy. and I remember when Houston got him. I was like, "Oh, that's that's a decent get for them. That's a good solid three or four guy." He becomes the number one guy there and the number one paid pitcher in baseball with the Yankees right now. So I get where Trevor Bauer is going. He has to bank on himself. He may never repeat what he just did last season. And I think a lot of things. For one, you're only you have to play 162 games. You can't just play 60 unless, of course, he gets hurt and only plays 60. And which you won't win a Cy Young. You won't win any awards. And really, no one's going to say, "Oh yeah, we definitely got to pay him because 60 games means you missed 100, which means you're injury prone, which means no one's going to pay you a damn dime." This doesn't surprise me. But that rotation that we just talked about for the Mets: Degrom, Bauer, Carrasco. All right, who they just were able to get: Stroman, Syndergaard. I mean, look out. The New York Mets are for real, man. And good for them. They got a new owner. I mean, 
when you get an owner that comes in and wants to spend money and wants to win, that's good stuff. This is why I get, can't stand people who rip the Rams. What are you mad at the Rams for? They're trading away all these first-round picks. Who cares? They're trying to win and win now. Mm-hmm. I would rather be a Rams fan worried about five years from now, which you shouldn't be worried about five years from now, but I would rather be in the situation where I'm like, oh, man, what are we going to do five years from now with our first-round picks? Forget that. Worry about winning right now. And the Rams have a chance to win right now. The Mets have a chance to win right now. Sure, they're spending an ungodly amount of money, and they'll pay for it in the long run, but if it gets them, gets them a World Series before the Yankees, Holy hell, everything is worth it. I wish the Reds had that mentality. Sure, we lost money due to the pandemic. Sure, we're coming off of a shortened season where we had no fans in the stands. But you know what? Everyone else is being quiet and lurking in the woods. We're going to pounce first. We're going to sign multiple big names, and we're going to go win this damn thing because right now everyone else is down. The Reds, for the next 15 years, the Reds will never find themselves in a situation where And the Cardinals just pulled the trigger on Arnado to get that deal done. But, I mean, the Reds will never find themselves in a situation in the offseason where every team in the division is just down. Right. Every team is down in the NL Central. Even with the Cardinals making the move they did, it's still not one of the better Cardinals teams that we've seen in the last decade. It's pretty good, though. They have got Paul Goldschmidt over the last couple of years, and then they go and get Arnado. They're pretty good. Pitching's not that solid, though. That's where they're weak. But the Reds could have made something happen here. They should have gone in on Bauer if, if, if it meant a shorter deal. Or they should have gone in on some of the other free agent pitchers, whether it was Kluber for a shorter deal. They screwed up, and the Reds will never find themselves in the next 15 years in a situation where they were maybe one or two moves away from being the best team in the division. Now, look at, I mean, look at last year. They went all in just to finish third. <laughs> You went all in. You went out and you got, you know, uh, Castellanos and Moustakis, and you made the moves over the last couple of years to get Bauer and Sonny Gray. You did all of those moves just to finish third because the division's really good. Well, the, the division's no longer good. So this was the year to go that next step further to solidify this team as legit because you will. Ne- I promise you, Reds fans, for the next 15 years, the division will never be as bad as what was it is right now, and the Reds should have pounced. The opportunity was there, and they, they didn't. And I'm disappointed because I was given Castellini's and the, and the Reds the benefit of the doubt saying, I think they know what they're doing. I think they're lurking in the kind of in the background, waiting to see what Bauer does before they put all their money somewhere else. It, they're going to end up with no shortstop. No legit pitcher. Their solution is putting Michael Lorenzen in the rotation. Give me a damn break. This is lazy, and I want the Reds to win, but damn it, sometimes I'm like, they don't deserve to win. I'm very frustrated right now with everything going on. That's one thing about new ownership. They want to make a splash. These guys that buy these franchises, they have egos. They want to win, and they want to win fast. You see what Steve Ballmer did with... He got the a great example, and it feels that the Mets is that same energy. Yes, you know the Clippers haven't won an NBA title yet, but damn it, they're not the Clippers that we watched growing up. Right, like right. they're legit. Yeah, they're loaded with talent, and that's what the Mets are doing. I mean, they're making big time moves, and they want to make a splash. And you know that that new energy of them spending their own money that only lasts about good five ten years. But I mean, it is <laughs> New York, though. It is New York, so they do have that contract in the number one media market in the world. So. You never know, man. You never know what's going to happen with the Mets. But you, we have a mutual friend, Mr. Smooth, who blows up my phone constantly whenever something happens in the great state of New York. And he just texts me, hey, did you hear about Trevor Bauer? I want to tell him go, to go bite it. <laughs> well, I remember back when we used to work with Smooth, there was a certain person in the building that went up to him and said, you can't wear Mets gear here. <laughs> Keep wearing that Mets gear, my friend. Right. You definitely can now. Well, in fact, you had... Extra Mets gear. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of winners on that team. A lot of big-time players.
All right, folks. So uh, normally we usually go another hour. Today we are done. We're handing it off to Talking Out Loud with Soleil, mainly because Ohio State basketball takes over at 6.15. Usually Talking Out Loud comes on at 6. We're just moving everything up a bit. So we hand it off to Sully. Sully's about to take over from here and host Talking Out Loud, an hour of Dayton Flyers basketball talk. He'll hand it off to Ohio State basketball at 6. They'll tip off at 7. It's a big matchup, by the way, between Ohio State and Iowa. It's a top-10 yeah. matchup. Number 7, Ohio State versus number 6, Iowa. Paul Keels will be on the call. We are not just Dayton's home of the Ohio State Buckeyes football, uh, but basketball as well. And uh, tonight's going to be a big one. I mean, when we come in tomorrow, like Ohio State might be – I mean, this is huge. Ohio State could be a top-5 team by the time this is all said and done. And you can argue all the top-25 wins that they have, all the top-10 wins they have, they could be a top-3 team, top-4 team when it's all said and done. Chris Holtman's done a fantastic job with this group and to do it in that conference is mm-hmm. unbelievable. But they can't go get smacked tonight. Like, my concern is Iowa, they played a tight game with Michigan State. They didn't come out mentally into it. I think they were looking ahead to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is they're going to come, Iowa's going to come out firing tonight. Oh, yeah. I, just, I hope Ohio State comes up to match their energy. This is a bigger game for Ohio State than Iowa, in my opinion. Because Ohio State loses this, I don't think Ohio State cracks the top 10 again. All right, they they need to win tonight cuz Iowa is already they were the darlings coming in out of the Big 10. Right. And they, you know, I feel bad for Michigan. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I'm a big Juwan Howard fan. I'm pulling for him. They were kicking ass before and then they've been off for what weeks now? Yeah. And they were I mean, they were cruising, man. Like, but it's yeah, it's up. crazy because you look around college basketball and COVID is just ravaging teams like uh Boston College already reported about Boston College. They had like walk-ons starting. So, like, me and you could have been out there hooping. That's brutal. First Duke. It have been our shot. Yeah. <laughs> one shiny <Exactly>. moment. <laughs> hey, guys, one more time before we close the show out. I need you to head to Facebook. I need you to like and follow the Justin Kinner Show, all right? I'm begging you to like my page, right? No, I need you to go to the Justin Kinner Show, like the Justin Kinner Show Facebook page, and you can win a free dozen roses and a vase from First Florist and Greenhouses. And the reason that's important is you're probably thinking, why do I want roses for? They're not for you, dummy. They're for your significant other. Valentine's Day is a week from this Sunday. So head to Facebook, search the Justin Kinner Show, like the Justin Kinner Show page, and you'll be eligible to win a free dozen roses and a vase from First Florist and Greenhouses, the official florist of ESPN 1410 Wing AM. We draw the winner tomorrow. We'll contact you through Facebook. So make sure that you like the Justin Kinner Show Facebook page right now. Head there right now if you want to win a free dozen roses and a vase from First Florist and Greenhouses. Uh, I get paid every time I say First Florist and Greenhouses. Not really. But <laughs> they are a great sponsor of the show. They've provided us with a great prize for you. So take advantage of this opportunity. Win a free dozen roses and a vase by liking the Justin Kinder Show page. We'll draw a winner tomorrow. Kev? been fun we'll do this again tomorrow we'll have our super bowl predictions on the show tomorrow shout out to freddie coleman for hanging out with us for a little bit we had jay williams on the show yesterday if you missed that go check it out dayton flyers basketball talk talking out loud next